I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast. Today on the podcast, we are looking at the dark side of working from home. It is not for everyone. While some employees love it and don't want to give it up, others have found it incredibly socially isolating and they are clamoring to get back into the office. That's where we will start our exploration of the dark side. We'll continue the discussion next week by looking at some of the challengers of managers, especially those who are managing underperformers who work from home or those who don't work from home. Now, if I had a nickel from every person who told me during this last year and a half that they have discovered that they were less introverted than they thought they were, I would have a lot of nickels. Take, for example, my friend and former neighbor who's a single empty nester. She's wildly successful at work. She's a finance professional. In fact, she's the CFO of a venture capital firm. And early in the pandemic, She told me while we were outside, of course, and socially distanced, that she realized that she was much less of an introvert than she'd ever thought she previously was. She was craving human interaction. Now, eventually, her 20-something daughter came home and lived with her for a few months during the very worst of the pandemic, but much of the time, she was alone. And I got this letter from a listener. The listener writes, I'm an electrical engineer working at a tier one company in my industry. We were required to work from home from mid-March through mid-June of 2020. I'm so glad that I got to go back into the office after those three months and that I was considered essential enough to bring in. During the three months that my work group was off, I lived in my condo by myself and I have never felt more isolated. She goes on to say, I still saw the person that I'm dating a couple of times a week, but since he lived with other people at the time, he was being extra careful to stay away from people to keep his roommates safe. I didn't have any roommates and my normal gym activities were all canceled. My family lives two plus hours away. And while I talked to them every day, I didn't see them for almost half a year. In addition, we were laying off 30% of our workforce, so each day was very stressful for me, and I felt the need to work extra hard to ensure that I didn't get cut. I was so sad, and I was not in a good spot mentally, since I'm extremely extroverted. Many of my coworkers loved working from home, and they are actively seeking out fully remote positions, since they decided that that's how they want to work. They think I'm crazy for wanting to be in the office at least 80% of the time. She goes on to ask, is there anything that I could do in the future if this ever happens again that will let me be more happy in my own company and not feel so alone? Signed, so over being alone. Now, another listener writes this, I miss my sounding board when I'm working from home. 
We have collaboration technology that we all use. So I can IM people and I have a good network at the company. So that's good. But it's really nice when you can see someone face to face. You can make progress faster. You can get a check on how an idea is landing with a colleague based on their reaction. And it's just all around faster to make progress. And for me, it's way more satisfying. So we have at least a couple of different things happening on the dark side of working from home. One of them is more on the personal side of things. And the other is, you know, the work itself and interacting with your colleagues. Let's take a look at that personal side of the equation first. And let's go back to our person who said they were so over being alone. I want to bring one of my favorite authors into this discussion, David White. He's a British philosopher and a poet who weaves together ideas that make me think and sometimes stop me in my tracks and even maybe bring me to my knees. And he writes a lot about the workplace and our interactions in the workplace. Now, he has a book that's not necessarily about the workplace. It's just about communication and words. The book is called Consolations, The Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words. It's a collection of essays on, well, words, commonplace words, and important words. One of his essays in this collection is on the word alone. And while the entirety of the essay is powerful as he discusses the darkest part of being alone, being left alone, and being all alone, the following passage struck a deep chord with me. And I think it relates to what our listener so over being alone is mentioning. And David White writes this, quote, to be alone is not necessarily to be absent from the company of others. The radical step is to let ourselves alone, to cease the berating voice that's constantly trying to interpret and force the story from too small and too complicated a perspective. Now, perhaps my listener so over being alone and I, and maybe you too, are similar in this regard. I have a hard time letting myself alone when I'm actually alone. I am all up in my own grill. I may not be berating or beating myself up necessarily, although there are certainly times when I do. I'm working on reducing that, of course. But admittedly, I don't leave myself alone to enjoy the alone time. And the irony for me is that unlike the listener who sent in this question, I don't get much alone time apart from when I'm working, which is alternately either an entirely solitary endeavor or a public performance where I'm speaking or training in front of a live audience. And I crave alone time. And then in said alone time, I can't leave myself alone. I'm increasingly badgering myself about one thing or another, or again, as I mentioned, all up in my grill. So to myself, And to so over being alone, I will ask this, how can we let ourselves alone more and at least find a bit of solace in being alone? Now, I want to cut into this in two different ways. First, let's look at some of the psychological impacts of being alone. And then let's look to the collaboration and work impacts of being alone. So let me give you three tips from the personal side. First, when you are alone, whether that is a work-imposed work from home because of a pandemic, 
or whether that is a friend canceled on you at the last minute and you find yourself with several hours on your hands that you didn't think you were going to have, or whether it is something entirely different, some other set of circumstances that land you alone. Here are some tips. Number one, find things that you like to do that require being alone or are better experienced alone. Maybe for you, like me, that would be reading a book. In fact, I can't stand it when I'm reading a book or reading any other material for that matter, and I am in the company of others who interrupt me. It's crazy making. I'm like, can't you see I'm reading a book here? This is a solitary activity. Please leave me alone. This is what's going through my mind when I get interrupted while reading a book. Another thing that is best done alone is learning a new language or brushing up on a language that maybe you had some mastery over in the past. A few other things that for me are certainly best done alone, uh, singing, because I do not have a singing voice, but you know, it's okay to sing in the shower or it's okay to sing when nobody's listening or dancing, dancing when no one can watch you, dancing when you are alone. Both of these singing and dancing can be great things to experience while alone. And then, of course, there's something that you could pamper yourself with, whether that is a warm bubble bath or an extra long hot shower, or just simply taking up an activity that you enjoy that maybe some of the folks in your inner circle don't enjoy as much as you do. And that could be, you know, going for a bike ride by yourself or a walk alone or going to explore a new area of your town or city. So find those things that you like to do that either require being alone or are better experienced being alone. So that's your first tip. The second personal tip is to change your mindset on the things that you're doing alone that you'd rather do with other people. And let me give you an example from my life. I am the chief chef in our house. I do almost exclusively all the cooking except when I'm gone, people do seem to keep themselves alive with basic nourishment if I am not home. So the rest of my family I know has at least some handle on that. But the expectation and the norm in our family is that I am the chef. Now, sometimes, in fact, many times after a long day of work, it's now time to make dinner. And that dinner prep and cooking and getting the meal on the table often takes, you know, anywhere from on a really fast night, 30 minutes, but usually it takes an hour or upwards of an hour. And that can feel very lonely while I'm doing it alone. And so this is an area where I've changed my mindset because I could feel lonely and all alone and so forth. Or I could say, hey, there are so many times when I am being interrupted There are so many times when I crave alone time and I can capitalize on this being a time that I get to be largely left alone and I get to do something alone. Again, as a mother of three in a busy family, it doesn't happen all that often that I get left alone. So I can change my mindset and then I can actually pair that up with Uh, the thing I was just talking about, finding things that I like to do that I can also, you know, layer on while I'm cooking. So I can listen to music. I can listen to a podcast. I can do something else that really, you know, in addition to changing my mindset also helps me enjoy the time. 
And that actually leads me to my third tip, that my third tip is to fill your mind with others, with other people and other ideas. Fill your mind with others, even when they're not there. Now that could be talking on the phone, helping fill your mind with somebody whose company that you enjoy, or it could be listening to music. Again, reaching out maybe to other genres or new music that you haven't listened to, or even just going back to some of the old favorites. You could also fill your mind with other kinds of things like the news, or as I was just mentioning, podcasts, or whatever flavor of audio or, you know, books on audio that you like. Now for me, I personally love and enjoy podcasts because it feels like I'm hanging out with friends, even if I don't know the podcaster personally or the guests that they're interviewing for those that interview. So that's another way that I can really enjoy my time alone is filling my mind with others, even when they're not there. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Let's take a moment and address the second person who wrote in, who is feeling that loneliness or feeling the dark side of working alone because they are missing bouncing ideas off of one another, missing that collaboration and missing the face-to-face component of it. So let's look at that professional side. So when your work requires interaction with others, and those of you who spend a lot of time in meetings, I'm talking to you. It can be very draining to do it all over Zoom or Microsoft Teams or WebEx or whatever your platform is. And even though those tools are great, and oh my gosh, the pandemic has created an imperative for those companies to innovate and develop amazing new features that make it better than it ever was before to collaborate at a distance, something, especially for some of us, is still missing. It's not as good as the real deal. It's not as juicy. It's not as interactive. It's not as fun. We miss the social cues, the big ones and the small ones. And the small ones are sometimes the best. You know, that sideways glance that somebody gives you in a meeting when somebody is spouting nonsense, or that look of encouragement from someone across the conference room table when you're sharing a new idea from a perspective that's not widely accepted from the rest of your team. The kind eyes and the apologetic nod from a colleague when they bump into you in the hallway a day or two after an altercation? These terribly brief interactions are terribly important. They are the mortar that hold the bricks of relationships together. And they are largely missing in our online interactions. And that can make working from home a dark and lonely place. We miss the play of ideas we miss those interactions. Now, in part, we miss those interactions because we're seeing ourselves on screen. And in most of our online interactions, we're seeing ourselves on screen and we're censoring ourselves more. 
And why wouldn't we? We have this oddly reflexive environment where we're watching ourselves perform our role in the meetings that we attend because our camera is on. And of course we want our camera on because that creates a richer interaction, but it's odd to watch yourself perform your role in a meeting. It's odd to watch yourself. I mean, this does not happen when we are seated around a conference room table. We are not also holding up a mirror, watching ourselves perform our role in that meeting. So it's harder to take a risk when we're watching ourselves. I think in many cases, we feel the need to be more polished. Even if we're showing up in more casual clothes, as many of us have been during the pandemic, there's something about watching ourselves that elicits higher levels of self-censorship. And that makes ideation and brainstorming and creative problem solving less, well, creative and less fulfilling. So for those of you who are experiencing the dark side of working from home, professionally, as it relates to the work that you're doing, here are a few tips, a few things that can make working from home a little bit less dark and perhaps a little bit more interactive and rewarding and fulfilling as you interact with your colleagues. Tip number one, pick up the phone more. Do walk and talks with your colleagues. Connect by audio. It's not necessarily as taxing as video. Zoom fatigue, it's a real thing. So connecting by audio only allows far greater interaction than just emails and IMs. And, you know, check in with your colleagues on how they're doing. Just call them up and say, hi, I was thinking about you. So make sure that you're, again, picking up the phone, having those casual interactions, those interactions that you would have in the break room, by the coffee machine, while waiting for an elevator. Make those happen by doing the the meetings and teams and, and all of your other communication applications, just do them more intentionally and without so much of an agenda. So that's your first tip. Second tip, schedule that sounding board time. If that's something that you need and that's something that unleashes your creativity and helps you work well with your colleagues. So again, this is unstructured time with no agenda with a colleague with whom you'd regularly bump into in a co-located office and bounce those ideas around with. Keep the relationship strong and check in with one another, even if there isn't an immediate need. So maybe you just have a standing meeting that is sounding board time on your calendar so that you have the opportunity to do that. And tip number three, for greater innovation and creativity, try using the whiteboard or just a shared blank document and turn your cameras off in meetings. So create a ground rule that there are no bad ideas, that this is an ideation brainstorming meeting and focus on that shared screen. Without looking at your own image on screen, you're going to find that you're less likely to censor yourself and you're going to share those off the wall ideas that can really turn into great ideas down the road. So that's your third tip. Turn the camera off, turn the whiteboard or a shared blank document on and unleash your creativity with a colleague. All right, my friends, put those six tips into place and let me know how it goes. The three tips, just again, as a recap, the personal tips, find things that you like to do that require being alone or are better experienced alone. Tip number two, change your mindset on the things that you're doing when you're alone that you might rather do with people. And number three, fill your mind with others, even when they're not there. And then the professional tips, number one, pick up the phone more to have those interactions with colleagues, schedule that sounding board time, 
so that it's there on your calendar, especially for those of you who are missing that sounding board time. And tip number three, for greater innovation and creativity, turn the camera off and the whiteboard or a shared blank document on. All right, put those six tips in place and let me know how it goes. I love your stories. In fact, I love your stories so much that I'm going to start interviewing listeners on future podcasts. I'll be interviewing regular people with regular jobs. I'm sitting down with real people and we'll talk about what's working and what's not working so well at work. But next week, well, I'll be back next week talking about another aspect of the dark side of working from home before we get to that other series of interviews. Next week, we'll be looking at things from the other side of the desk, managing people who may or may not want to be working from home. And until then, be well and take good care. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.